Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Student of the Game. I am Kyle Nash, the Student of the Game, here with you this evening, or whatever time it is if you're listening to this on demand. And of course, if you're here, chances are you enjoy talking sport. And of course, we thank you for choosing to do it with us here tonight. Um, and yeah, listen, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the sports world to say the least. I mean, listen, I would go into NBA this week, but really, I'm not in the mood to talk about the Lakers and Russell Wilson, uh, Westbrook and all that. Russell Wilson, sorry. I make that joke, but apparently it's just as prominent and popular to make fun of Wes Russell Westbrook as it is Russell Wilson nowadays. And that's a, actually a conversation I have with Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show. That's right. We're going international on this beast here on the student of the game. Boom. No, but we talked to him later in the show about certain stuff, uh, not only NFL expansion, but uh, Cullum happens to be a Broncos fan. And um, with them heading to his side of the world there across the ocean and whatnot, uh, I, I felt compelled to give him a bit of a therapy session for his Broncos. So that's thoroughly entertaining, even though the Broncos in prime time probably makes you sick of them to the point where you sound like Homer Simpson Oh, the Denver Broncos, but I, I get it, you know, but no, it's, it's a fun session there too. And obviously we talk a lot more than just that this year. So, uh, you know, hang on for that later in the show. And of course, madman, Mark Mancini will be aboard 945 hour. He'll actually be doing picks with us this week instead of helping, uh, start the show off. So that should be fun later on as well. So stick around for all of that. But first, ladies and gentlemen. What on earth is going on? <laughs> I feel like we're asking that all the time in the football world, but let's go ahead and start with college football. Today, uh, UCF had their hoops media day. College, uh, college basketball is on its way. God bless it. Here we go. <laughs> you know, November becoming the month that is for literally every major sport, right? I mean, it's at the point now where the, the World Series, if it goes long enough, will creep into November potentially. Then, you know, hockey's in full swing. The NFL, college football in full, full swing. Uh, the NBA is going, but, you know, it's not Christmas yet, so people don't worry about it. And, of course, college basketball tips off as well. But the reason why all that's important is as a member of the media at UCF covering their sports uh, with the black and gold banneret, um, I actually had the opportunity to sit in an availability with the Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormack. And Yormack said a lot of interesting stuff. Um, you know, I asked him specifically specifically about competition uh, between the Big 12, the SEC, the Big 10. And I mentioned competition because it's going to be an elephant in the room, right? They're trying to form up whatever it is that they're doing, as they should, you know. but. Um, trying to battle for attention and resources, you know, with those two bigger conferences and, and, and trying to get into various playoff spots with expansion upcoming or even in the CFP before 2026, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is literally competition. Competition's the name of the game. And while Yormack wouldn't address competition with the conferences directly, he did say that we're trying to be um, our own conference and 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 be the best at that that we can be. And to be honest, 
as much as that's kind of a deflection of an answer, I respect it. But for those that are following college football in the ever-changing landscape and chaos, there, that word is again, chaos, literally everywhere in football. But where we're going with all that chaos, um, Commissioner Yormack of the Big 12 had a very interesting tagline, fourth time zone. Curious, fourth time zone. Because here's what I know. Come 2023, they'll have UCF. Okay, that's that's the East. They're already pretty prominent in the Central and Midwest areas there. You know, they got some teams throughout. I, I don't know exactly where Oklahoma sits um, in all of that. But I believe Brigham Young, BYU, We'll get them in the mountain time zone if they're already there, which leaves a very distinct time zone left over in all of this. Fascinating that one that happens to be a conference that is slowly falling apart with the departure of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Is he actually hinting? at trying to expand into the Pac-12 with the former Pac-12? I say the Pacific, but... Because constantly using the term Pac-12 is kind of like, you know, watching clothing. I haven't been clubbing in a long time, and I never really enjoyed going much as a youth. I wasn't that kind of dude. Not to, not to judge people that like clubs. That's, that's fine. I'm not dissing it. Some of them serve really good drinks, but don't ask me to dance. I digress. I love mojitos. Anyways, um... No, but him making the comment about a fourth time zone is kind of like somebody wearing an outfit while they're at the club. You look at it, and it's obviously revealing, and you're thinking to yourself, good God, leave something to the imagination. Him asking for a fourth time zone isn't exactly leaving a lot to the imagination in my mind. Like what? You're going to call for the University of Hawaii? That's another time zone, I suppose. You know? Gonna gonna incite some uh, academies that have football in Europe and college, you know, to join the college football ranks. They can't even get an NFL franchise there yet, right? More on that later with with Colin Cronin, Teehee. But you're not leaving a lot to the imagination there. And don't get me wrong, I'm still kind of staring at it and talking about it because you know that's what I feel inclined to do here. It's my show, but yeah, not much to the imagination there in the ever changing football landscape so i don't know but that's all i had to say about that well let's transition to this so you know talking about college football you know you're you're talking about players that are youths no youths not youths shouts to big jim i'm not talking about utah in and of itself necessarily although who knows maybe they'll join the big 12 <laughs> not really um or maybe they will legitimately now i'm worried let's move on uh, with the NFL, um, I can't help but notice that it's quite possible I picked the wrong week to title an episode Passing Torches. And let me tell you why. I'm going through the the uh, docket of NFL games that took place the past week, week seven. As we're, you know, week seven, we've completed NFL games two weeks short of the uh, halfway point, which is week nine, period. There's 17 weeks. There's eight on one side. There's eight on the other. Nine's in the middle. Nine is the middle. Why am I making such a big deal that nine is the middle? 
if you're here looking for midseason awards this week, you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, with all that in mind, last week I named the episode Passing Torches, and yet it was the show after that where older quarterbacks struggled in very special fashion. Oh, gosh, here comes Kyle. He's going to talk about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't end there, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, let's do exactly as I said all of you predicted of me. <laughs> let's talk about the older quarterbacks in Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Yeah, I left out the beaver. It feels cruel to do it in this complex. And, of course, a Aaron Rodgers. 21 to 3 to Carolina? Good hell. Listen, here's where I am on that. I, I know, I know that, that Brady's gonna get the blame. He's the quarterback, and he's, you know, an alleged goat and a prominent figure, not just in the NFL, but pop culture. The facts of the case are, the, are, are those they are not in dispute. End of story, end of discussion. Um, you know, per se. Brady didn't even have an awful game necessarily. He didn't really turn the ball over, but yet somehow the Broncos can only, or excuse me, the Broncos. I'm getting ahead of myself. They're not that bad off, are they? Damn. Uh, the Buccaneers only put up three points with that. Not a lot of turnovers either. That's just basic, you know, I guess bad offense and bad football per se, right? I don't care who you are, but if you're two for 12 on third on third down, you're going to lose the expletive deleted football game. And they call it the money down. And that is the down to which Thomas Edward Patrick Brady has oft made the proverbial money. Oh, the money down. I see what they did there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Anyways. <laughs> so my question becomes why? Well, not why. I know why. We know why, right? We keep saying injuries for the Buccaneers, the offensive line in disarray, Leonard Fournette not performing as he has in the past, receivers not producing, Mike Williams dropping a touchdown pass, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, well, he can't run. He's not, he's certainly not Josh Allen. He's certainly not Lamar Demetrius Jackson, um, who he gave props to actually this week. More on that later. But we've crowned the Buccaneers the champions of the NFC South, who I said back in August was the worst division in the NFL. I tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Sounds a little too Irish. I was listening to Cullum too much here. I don't know. You'll hear, you'll hear what I mean in the segment, but the punchline is this. At what point do we start to hit that panic button? Because we're already kind of, you know, the, the eye of Sauron, so to speak, is already putting disaster in that way. The NFC South is still technically currently led by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but let's be honest. They're one garbage-ass call away of an alleged pass, uh, pat roughing the passer that wasn't, from being beneath the fraud cons in this division. Good hell. <laughs> is that where we are? Literally tied in the point differential at three and four. That tells me they beat somebody badly. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Cowboys fans. That was week one. Anyways, so I, I, I'll put it this way. I still have them winning the division for now until further notice. Um, but I can tell you, 
I'm I I know I'm spoiler alert with her picks coming up. Three and five isn't out of the realm of possibility in my mind with the Buccaneers with who they're facing on Thursday night football. We'll get to more on that later. Well, let's take it over to the other old gay that I'm not super confident in at the moment. A. Aaron Charley Rodgers. Oh boy. You know, um, it's one thing when it's early in the season, fans, players, coaches, I shouldn't say fans necessarily, who gives a damn what the fans are doing per se for any team, me included. I'm here decked out in my Niner gear. I, I don't matter, you know, compared to the players in the out as far as determining the outcome of things. But um, the Red Tails guys, really? Sorry, the commanders. But Green Bay lost to the Red Tails. Now, I'm, I'm staying there so I can stay with the pun. Um, but I, Taylor Heineke almost beat Tom Brady in a playoff game. But we can confirm that he was just as close as Aaron Rodgers at beating Tom Brady in a playoff game. Taylor Heineke leaving people with fancy import beer to celebrate beating a Wisconsin team who has the city of Milwaukee in it that's famous for brewing beer. Wow, this, this analogy is locking in. Holy snap. But apparently, hey, Abron Rodgers isn't Milwaukee's best because he's in Mil he's in Green Bay and is unfortunately, well, drunk on having to deal with younger players. I've 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 know I know that that he's could file he could file paperwork to run a babysitting service with all the kids that he's got on his team currently in the form of young receivers and whatnot. People have mistaken it for the University of Utah for all the Utes. See what I did there? What is a Ute? Um, my cousin Vinny references, guys. Come on, keep up. You've been on. If you you need to listen to this show if you don't know it by now. What's up? Anyways, <laughs> but Rogers losing Rogers and say Rogers the Packers losing that game to Taylor Heineke. And the red tails makes zero sense to me. A thing that should not be happening. And listen, I mean, no offense to my good friend, the Duchess of DC, Carita Parks, who uh, previewed the commanders with me in the preseason. Hey, I actually remembered to call them the commanders. All right. Um, you know, and, and listen, as much as I'm, I'm, I'm making silly on Taylor, Taylor Heineke, let me be serious for a minute. Brian Robinson coming back and performing as he has is nothing short of amazing. I want a movie made about this cat after they get done with the Alex Smith film and his comeback story. Hashtag I said it. Of course, they may have already made the Alex Smith movie. I don't remember. I know there was a Kurt Warner one. A anyways. But at least in that all this, we get the Brian Robinson story. I mean, we're supposed to celebrate P.J. Walker for the Panthers? I, I don't know. This is weird. This is super weird. But see, speaking of celebrations, oh, Nelly, heading over to Indianapolis, there's not a whole lot of celebration surrounding that team, although I think Matt Ryan will need to schedule a retirement party soon. Hashtag, I said it. <laughs> Sam Ellinger, former Texas quarterback, 
is the starter now and moving forward for the Indianapolis Colts. Ladies and gentlemen, on no uncertain terms, I'm calling it this ends Matt Ryan's career. My good friend Danny Thompson, who tried to tell me that Matt Ryan is a first ballot Hall of Famer, it's in his best interest to retire. Why do I say that? Well, (laughs) there's a lot of criteria people use to determine a Hall of Fame player, right? You obviously have to be actually elite to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't want to get into the discussion of whether or not Matt Ryan is elite or not. That that gets tedious and, and, you know, elite. People still try to tell me to this day that Joe Flacco is elite, and I, I just want to cry. It, it kills me a little bit on the inside on no uncertain terms. But Matt Ryan's career record as a quarterback Today, out of a 229 career games, which longevity, I get it, is cool. 123, 105 and one, meaning he's a mere 18 games away, less than two seasons worth of losses potentially, to having a 500 record. Well, isn't that fun? You want to declare a man a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's 18 wins away from 500. But the reason why him retiring from the Colts at this point, it assures it won't be a losing record legacy-wise. That's why I think Matt Ryan's done. Also, honestly, who really could make solid use of him at this juncture? Again, I never ever thought that Matt Ryan was a bad quarterback. I also think that Matt Ryan has some Hall of Fame case to be made. Not a first ballot guy, as Danny Thompson would have you believe. Shout to Danny Thompson, fan of the fraud cons. His numbers aren't bad overall career-wise, right? 376 touchdowns, 179 interceptions. Not a bad ratio. Certainly not a great one, but not a bad ratio. You know, over 60,000 yards passing. You know, 65, near 66% completion rate. The kind of stuff you like to see. And, oh, by the way, somewhere in there he has an MVP, despite the fact he was the field general of the biggest Super Bowl collapse in in the uh, league's history. I honestly don't put that collapse on him, but players around him that made key mistakes at key times. Um. So, yeah, if you want to put Matt Ryan in the Hall of Fame discussion, because if everybody remembers what the Falcons were before him, They were in shambles trying to recover from success they had. I shouldn't say recover from success, but rather fill the gap after success they had was ripped from them after the Michael Vick era, which was awesome in its own right, taking nothing from it. This is not trash talk. I mean, Michael Vick was so good that, well, he was so good and so injury prone that he gave birth to Matt Schaub as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Figure that out. You know, so. Matt Ryan's done. Sam Ellinger, Sam Ellinger, who the Indie Intercept podcast has dubbed Yosemite Sam, who had me on as a guest a couple weeks back. Shouts to uh, to them. Check out Indie Intercept uh, Twitter at Indie Intercept. Good time all the way around. But yeah, I think Yosemite Sam's the right move right now because let's put it this way: 
if you are a member of the coaching staff in Indianapolis, your days are numbered anyway. Jonathan Taylor's hurt. Matt Ryan ain't it. You have injuries on the offensive line that help assure that Matt Ryan ain't it. It's a whole other thing. And now, it's, it's, um, it's not going well there, to say the least. I think the Colts have figured out three patchwork quarterbacks in a row ain't going to do it. And Matt Ryan is going to be the last of that ship to sail. I'm not saying they're tanking. Let's not go crazy. Trust me. I covered the Dolphins in uh, 2019. I know what tanking looks like. Something, something, tanking for Tua when I was preaching get clever for Trevor, which the argument can be made if you follow Jacksonville that get clever for Trevor may not have been as good an argument. Whatever. It's not the conversation right now. <laughs> Although get clever for Trevor is pretty good. Just saying. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Maybe Indy needs to get nice for Bryce, Bryce Young. Or, you know, get loud for Stroud, CJ Stroud. I don't know. I'm coming up with these from the – I'm trying to say they need to draft a quarterback high. That's my point. <laughs> because they haven't had anything since Andrew Luck's mysterious – I shouldn't say mysterious, but uh, sudden retirement. And I get it that old man Rivers darn near beat the Bills in the playoffs, the year he was there as the patchwork. And he bought you an extra year, Colts fans. But one, why in the entire beep? You didn't do a better job of, of, of getting a, a backup plan in place there when you have an O-line anchored by Quentin Nelson at the guard position that can do amazing things. You instead let that deteriorate as well and start filling in patchwork. Maybe you're afraid to pay quarterbacks. Sounds like a Jim Irsay thing to do. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that out loud, didn't I? But at least draft a dude worthwhile or trade up or do, do something. Now, granted, with what could they trade? Their receiver core has been deteriorating something awful for the past few years. I mean, no offense to Michael Pittman, but when I think number one receiver, I don't think Michael Pittman. And there's a reason why Jonathan Taylor's been the MVP candidate that he has been. It's because there's been a whole lot of nothing else going on around him. And let's be honest, Derrick Henry wasn't a thing in Tennessee. The Colts would probably be winning on the strength of their run game instead. However, we live in a world where Jonathan Taylor's hurt. The O-line is banged up in Indianapolis. And Matt Ryan's career is now over. Like, at the rate we're going, guys, seriously, we, we, we need one of those in-memoriam things that they do at the Academy Awards, right? You know, for <laughs> for stars that have parted from this uh, from the uh, mortal realm, who are now in the celestial plane, so to speak, for however you might believe. You know, careers in memoriam: Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Aaron, Charlie Rodgers. No, I'm not saying Rogers is going to retire. That's a little bold, but still, maybe it's just the Packers season that should be made in memoriam. Anyways. With all that in mind, listen, of teams that have really need to sound the alarm of these three that I mentioned, I'm putting the Packers at the top for one reason and one reason alone, their division. Yes, I found a scenario where I said the NFC North could be the most difficult decision uh, or division in something. Pfft, who knew? 
from what I can tell, the NFC North plays an awful lot of one o'clock games. And when one o'clock games happen, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings are successful, especially playing against their conference mates thus far. And I'm not here to tell you that the Vikings are a worthwhile Super Bowl team, other than the fact for one reason and one reason alone. They just happen to be in the NFC North. The facts of the case are those, and they are not in dispute. So anyways, with that, we're talking about a lot of things that are taking place in the old. Let's explore the new a little bit. Let's go ahead and bring on my guy, Colm Cronin, talking about football in Europe and other things that uh, look more to the NFL's future than its past. And through the joys of modern technology, I can hop an ocean. I can talk to a person who resides in Ireland that I met in Los Angeles while I live in Florida. And all of it's just a crazy spin. But over on, listen, welcome aboard my guy, Colin Cronin. We actually met behind the scenes of the NFL honors just before the Hall of Fame inductees came out, right? I think that's where I first met you there. In LA? Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Kyle, uh, you were a, a chatty sort and being from <laughs> Ireland, I I love to talk and, and tell stories and I think we bonded over our shared love of stories and that's how uh, we got to know one another. I think given what you just described in terms of, I don't know how many time zones are, are involved in, in that particular anecdote, but quite a few. I'm losing count. I ha- I see. I used to have a whiteboard in front of me instead of that that Aaron Evans original painting of me playing. So you know that those are my offensive lineman credentials, Colin. In case you haven't seen. But anyways, so um, yeah, no. And you mentioned all that the, as far as you know storytelling and all the above. Listen, if you can't tell stories, why are you in media? That's a whole other question. But listen, man, I wanted to bring you in first of all. I see it's not. I don't see a Lindsay jersey every day, so I got to give credit to that. You're showing you're a true. Bronco fan, and I have to tell you, I saw 10 wins at the beginning of the season, and oh, buddy, yeah, I, I, I want to give you a big giant hug, but um, also as somebody who's a big supporter of Russell Carrington Wilson, what do you make of not only what's happened with him there, but kind of the reaction to him playing in Denver overall? Yeah, it, it certainly hasn't gone the way most people expected um i i think there are a number i think there are a huge number of factors involved i i will say that i i think we're probably past peak rust and, and i think we were probably i always expected that to be the case I, I didn't think that would be you know but it would look like this and i would also say there are a few people out there kudos mike sando you got it spot on you you called out a lot of the issues but for me i suppose kyle a like russ is getting a little bit older B, he's got terrible coaching, like just just phenomenally, phenomenally bad coaching, it, both in terms of the X's and O's, but also in terms of the leadership. Like when you have the OC goes to the podium and he's saying, and the, remember, he's talking about the Broncos being like he's staying in the facility for weeks on end and not seeing his family, which is, A, why are you doing that? That's ridiculous. This is It's only a job. But you're saying you haven't seen him for two weeks. Well, if you haven't seen him for two weeks and the offense is still this bad, this is this is not the feel-good story that you're trying to make it out to be. So I think the coaching has a role. And I also think the way in which the, we're seeing defenses play. So point scoring up until maybe this last week was down through like the first seven weeks, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, then we all obviously saw the Chiefs put up 
big score. The Cards put up a, a big score. And hey, look at the Bears uh, la- last night. So that was interesting. But we're seeing a lot more of the too high safety shell. And that takes away what Russ, one of Russ's biggest weapons was the deep ball. Russ would get, scramble, 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 look up. Somebody would be there. He throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the league. That's gone. So it's all the stuff like in, in the middle. Teams are forcing Russ to do what he doesn't like to do. And that way, I think some of it is also the fact that maybe the media, which I guess we are part of, bigged up the Broncos receivers, maybe to make Broncos fans feel better. Or maybe because the QBs were so bad. There was, I don't know if you, it, it'd be interesting to hear from, almost from somebody in Florida, Jerry Judy. I don't know if any wide receiver was as hyped coming out of college. The videos of him training, it was unbelievable. And yet the receivers have been really disappointing and the tight end play non-existent. So there are a huge number of factors that go into it. But ultimately, it means that in scoring, the Broncos uh, are dead last in the entirety of the NFL. Yeah, no, and, and listen, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned several factors. Obviously, you know, there's there's stories coming out now that 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 Rusty's injured with his, you know, on his throwing shoulder side. So, I think that's what impacts his passing. Obviously, um, I love that you brought up Nathaniel Hackett. We'll be more talking more about him in a minute. But let me go to Jerry Judy really quick because you posed the question, sir. I am uniquely identified and qualified to answer that question for you. I'm guilty of part of the hype, but let me tell you why. I actually covered him in the Citrus Bowl where he was playing against, you know, under Nick Saban still against the Michigan Wolverines under Jim Harbaugh, who I wish was still the 49ers coach. Whole other question. But, um, and no offense to Kyle Shanahan, I don't mean it like that. But, um, yeah, seeing some of the stuff that he could do as an athlete was amazing. And too often in the media, uh, at, at least over here or or wherever I feel like covering sport, athleticism is automatically assumed to translate to on-field product. Listen, my favorite player is Jerry Rice. He was not a combine champion. Tom Brady, we've seen his picture going into the underwear Olympics at the combine. You ain't drafting him looking at that. It, it, the, the joke I make, I think you'll appreciate this, the joke I make with Tom Brady's picture going into the draft in the underwear Olympics is that he's the Bem- the Beatles demo cut. If you hear that demo, call them. They are awful. I wouldn't have signed him either. Now somebody's being declared the biggest idiot in the world for not signing the Beatles. How could you not sign the Beatles? Did you hear the demo? Did you see this Tom Brady picture? That's why. So it's kind of the reverse of that with Jerry Judy. His demo cut was amazing. His picture going into the, the combine was really good. And not to mention as a rookie, he, he did have some good numbers. And, you know, he had drops too, which were like, well, he's a rookie. That'll get fixed. Jerry Rice had drops. You're not really fixing the drops with Jerry Judy, though, to your point. And I won't even get into the running backs fumbling the ball into the end zone twice on national TV, you know, in the Seattle game. So we never had a chance to see Rusty do some fourth quarter shenanigans against his a former team like you know, I've had to endure as a 49er, now him wearing two different jerseys. But that's a whole other conversation. I mean, does that all make sense, Colin? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. But I think what, what's also kind of been interesting around that, right, and as a 49ers fan, like 
so Russell's getting older, okay? And we, we were kind of bamboozled maybe by Brady and by Rodgers and like thinking QBs would last forever. And you go back, Joe Cool, right? Hey, I, I loved him too in terms of what he could do, played for the Irish, like what a guy. But when, when Joe got into the mid-30s, he wasn't the same guy that he, he had been. And so for, for some QBs, they, they drop off, you know, a little bit earlier than others. And I think you mentioned there around like the, the spotlight, right? primetime television, the Broncos have been there and all the focus had, had that, that has brought. And some of that, I, you know, in terms of Rich Sherman has obviously really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I, then there have been others like Marshawn actually kind of defended Russell a little bit. But he also gave the game away in terms of you got to ring Russ's manager in order to talk to Russ. Like, I don't think, you know, that that seemed to come out. And that's not Marshawn going out of his way to be negative because he got out of his way to actually be positive about Russ. So that's quite a a telling story. And and Russ has his own office in the, the building. It, it it when when that's all that's all great when you're winning you can get away with anything but as soon as you stop winning and it things go wrong all of a sudden we live think about like here here we are discussing the nfl and i'm based here in ireland right it is this 24 7 like machine it has it's unstoppable now it's unrelenting i mean yeah, when, off season yeah there's no off season there, there, it used to be, but it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no, and that's a brilliant point. You kind of leaned into it. The question I was going to ask you, and, and kind of the joke I've been doing throughout the year, uh, throughout this season, I should say, um, you know, on the Student of the Bank Game podcast and the Huddle Up podcast and the other places I go, bing, for the advertisement, the um, wherever I've been bringing that conversation about, what I've been saying is it's almost as popular in the sports world to make fun of, uh, uh, Russell Wilson as it is Russell Westbrook in LA or if you want to go political it's almost as fun to make or, or trendy I should say to make fun of Russell Wilson as it is Donald Trump nowadays it seems like do you think this is kind of leading into that? Uh, a little bit I think that he he's so like he's, he's so visible like if, if Russ wasn't doing the subway commercials if he wasn't if he wasn't doing the you know mr unlimited videos if he wasn't everywhere it would it probably wouldn't be kind of the memification wouldn't be there right we live in the age of memes and and sound bites and every everyone you mentioned um russell westbrook probably doesn't do it so much in interviews but his his expressions or his behavior or the way he's away from his team it, it all allows people to create clips to create content and that i think is part of it that, that leads to to it uh, as well and he's there to to be shot at i mean there are other qbs certainly around the league who are struggling i think there are quite a few qbs and and teams and franchises who have maybe QB regrets. But Russ is the most public face because it has been so public. Like the Broncos and people got so tired of it because we were so bad so quick. And we weren't just bad, we were boring. Like it was really boring football and it's in the public glare. If the if the Broncos had been on primetime, I don't think 
it would have been there. But people had to sit through one of the worst Thursday night football games. Well, one of the worst football games imaginable. And then it went to overtime. Yeah, no wonder people want to have a go at rest for that. <laughs> and listen, I was on the Inter Indy, Indy Intercept podcast after the game in question, hearing it from the other side. They won the game and they were still like, oh, God, the game is awful. So, uh, you know, your, your point is well made uh, about the, uh, the primetime piece of it and all of that. I mean, so let's say at this, you as a as a as a member of the media, somebody who's a good NFL analyst. I didn't bring you on here just because you have wonderful red hair. You actually know what you're talking about, okay? So with all that in mind, as and as somebody who follows the Broncos, is Nathaniel Hackett a one-year head coach? Because listen, I might be a Niners fan. I cover the Jaguars closely. I know what a single-season coach looks like. I was mired in it for an entire year. See what I did there? So uh, what say you about Nathaniel Hackett's chances making it out of the uh, into the next season? He absolutely should be a one-and-done head coach. I don't think they move off of him mid-season because there's nobody there that, you know, our, our DC is doing a fantastic job, but the guy has moved up into that position. I think leave him do that job. In, in terms of, I, I, you say you live with it, I live with it where it should have happened. Vic Fangio should have been a one-and-done head coach. Vic Fangio can clearly coach defense, but he's not a head coach. Vance Joseph, a little more questionable about whether he can coach a, a defense, but he should have been a one-and-done head coach. The Broncos have gotten so much wrong ever since Super Bowl 15, especially since Gary Kubiak walked out that door. Uh, I, I think it would be insane not to move away from Hackett. I mean, he he hasn't done himself any, any favors with his co like his play calling has been awful. His game management has been awful. His the, his media utterances make no sense. Halftime um, uh, the other day against the Jets, he said we're got, we need to lean more into the run, and then he went away from the run completely. Like he had a backup QB who threw the ball nearly fifty times. It is. Crazy. Then afterwards, he's asked about like, are you gonna give you know consider maybe moving away from Blake on this? And no, I think I'm doing a good job there. So the, the, and and I get as as um, a head coach, you have to um, you know it, you it externalize. You cannot make it about you. Over here, one of the absolute greatest managers of any sport was Sir Alex Ferguson. Fergie was a legend. He managed Manchester United for more than a quarter of a century. He won every trophy unimaginable. And every single last club, there was a different reason for it. Uh, it was the, the referee didn't add enough time. It was the decision. It was, at one point, it was the jerseys. The players couldn't see each other because of the sun. <laughs> so he found a way to externalize it but and because he don't put it on the players. But there was never nonsense in terms of, like, I... And, uh, ignoring a mistake you know he had made he might not publicly maybe admit to it he might again find a way to swerve it but he wouldn't say oh yeah that was a, that was a fantastic decision when everyone because you undermine your credibility you can't tell me that you know we're watching that going what do you say that there aren't players on the roster thinking the exact same thing so to me the broncos have to move on from Nathaniel hackett i think they have to find somebody who um, can get you're, you're stuck at Russell Wilson, right? The contract means that you have Russ for at least the next two years. I would love for it to be, say, somebody like Sean Payton, but I don't know if the Broncos have the uh, draft demo to go and get him. I mean, what 
what price are the Saints going to demand to release Sean Payton? I think that will be fascinating to see. But it has to be somebody who can get the best out of us. But I think in order to, to do that, we have seen what's happened in Seattle. That's the other part of this that maybe we haven't talked about. It needs to be somebody who's prepared to put it to say, you know, okay, Russ, I'm going to work with you. The way Gary Kubiak did with um, Peyton. Peyton, you're not Peyton of 2013 anymore, which was only a couple of years removed. Peyton still wanted to run the same offense. And Gary Kubiak had to say, can't do that. But we're going to work with you. We're going to look to make you the, the, you know, the best version that you can be right now. And Peyton struggled through that season, but it was his leadership that got the team to where they needed to be. I think Russell Wilson might no longer be you know, ever again a top five QB, but can Russell be an above average QB in the right system? I I think that that is much more likely than Nathaniel Hackett being a a head coach, a successful head coach in this league. And and listen, if you're going to mention great coaches in Denver, I don't know how you're you're going, John. You're not going John Fox getting Tebow through a playoff game over Peyton Manning. I mean, listen, he's, he's Peyton Manning at some point. He's going to do stuff that John Fox getting getting uh Tim Tebow to win a playoff game and Jake Delhomme with the Panthers to a Super Bowl there's a guy nobody talks about him though I'm not I, I never I never understood that I don't know anyways but the little sidebar I, I'm just flexing that I know a little bit about your Broncos too I don't I want you to feel welcome in this house Colin that's all it is I, I feel I feel very very welcome just disappointed I didn't have a Guinness waiting for me but apart from that I feel incredibly welcome Kyle. hey listen I'm blaming the meeting before this that kept that from happening I needed a Guinness <laughs> after that meeting I'll tell you what and, and listen we'll share a left-hand stout sometime a peanut butter stout that's a beautiful thing I, I don't know how you feel about flavored stuff over on that side of the pond but you're a peanut butter fiend like me and you hear that drink that with stout beer it's a good time I'm off track call of <laughs> anyway <laughs> Um, let's do this because I, I don't want to mire you, mire you. Oh, there I am with that mire pun again. I don't want to to to, to drown you in 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 Broncos uh, uh, misery and any of, that, any of that. Let me let me transition to this because you're uniquely qualified, uh, being less than an ocean away from it. Um, even though the Jacksonville Jaguars will be headed to London to play your Broncos here coming up pretty soon. Actually, this weekend, Halloween Eve here in the states. Um, no, we don't celebrate it like Christmas Eve like that. It's just funny to say Hallow's Eve of Hallow's Eve thing. I don't know. It's dad jokes, Colin. You're too young for that. Anyway, so no, but um, international play in the NFL uh, has been a huge topic of late. Uh, you know, I spoke to um, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, tackle and radio uh, personality uh, Hall of Famer Tony Baselli during his induction about NFL expansion into Europe, Mexico, all of that. Uh, it's it's a whole it's uh, for my money, it's the best way to expand the league while keeping things sort of um how you say neat and clean, right? Trying to add another team will completely throw off the harmony of eight divisions of four, you know, that kind of thing. And to really get it off the ground, I feel like you would have to do kind of a mass addition of teams and establishing like a, an air quotes you know, foreign league outside the States with Canadian teams, Mexican teams, European teams. I don't know if Asia is all that practical yet, but sure, we'll, we'll put it on the list if it comes up. But, um, you know, Tony Baselli is kind of an ambassador to the game now, was, was really for it. And, you know, I made a joke that now his uh, USC Trojans of the Pac-12 are a Big Ten team. Anything's possible. That was a good little laugh. But um, with all that in mind, from your perspective, like, 
kind of kind of talk to me about um, what NFL expansion looks like on your side, and is it viable? I see a lot of Americans that are skeptical. Oh, it'll never work over there. Do you think there's a viability there? I I think there there is a viability in, in an increasing number of one-off games, and I think the NFL is absolutely committed to that. And I think what you will see within the next decade uh, are games in Paris, in Madrid in Rio and possibly in Tokyo and other places. I I think regular season games, Uh, the the NFL and Hey, you know, when the, one of the Broncos legends, Terrell Davis got his start because of Tokyo, he couldn't, he couldn't get home. He couldn't speak the language. So he couldn't book a flight home and look how things worked out. So the NFL, and I don't know if your, your viewers and listeners will be familiar with the name Brett Gosper. But the NFL hired Brett Gosper as the head of international a couple of years ago now. And Brett Gosper used to head up world rugby. And Brett Gosper is incredibly smart and incredibly talented. And he did a phenomenal job at expanding world rugby and increasing its popularity. And the NFL saw that and they said, we want some of that. And they brought him in. And what he has done is he's actually put new people in in place. So there's a, a new NFL UK GM uh, manager. They had a very successful person, but Henry Hodgson has moved over. He was from the UK. Then he went over to um, LA, was there for the best part of a decade. He's now back in the UK. Uh, Alex Steinfort in Germany um, and so on. You've got really key people in, in situ. And they will grow the game, but really, like you, and I, I don't know again if your listeners are will be familiar with the fact that there were when tickets went on sale for the game in Munich, right? The Seahawks against the Bucks, there were three quarters of a million people uh, trying in the queue on Ticketmaster trying to buy tickets for that game. So the game is phenomenally popular and growing. Um, so like. London has gotten the focus uh, for the best part of 15 odd years now, but Germany is huge. Like Germany has semi pro leagues uh, over there that attract 10, 20,000 people. The game is growing here in Ireland. The game is growing all around the world. And um, I, I have no doubt that you will continue to see games take take place overseas. But a franchise or uh uh, anything more than that, I have real doubts because of a number of factors. Um, how would it work if if you set a franchise in London, right? What would they would would they stay in London for like four games and then travel, like play four kind of home games and then do four on the road and then come back? Um, there, that is, there's tax implications, and let's face it, like you know, you are talking about significant amounts of money. You can get exemptions for one-offs; that's no problem. But you know, if you spend a certain amount of days outside of the country, that impacts on the amount of tax you you have to pay. And that's all. That's fine and dandy if you're earning Tom Brady-esque money, but. That's not going to work if you are a backup O-line guy or a back a backup. Or teams, uh, even. Yeah. Any, yeah. And, and, you know, you're earning, you know, for 40K a year and, and all of a sudden you get landed with a, a tax bill, uh, be, you know, for 1,200. Well, what, what does that mean for you? So I think to me, um, the NFL hangs the prospect of, 
a, an overseas franchise as a sort of Damocles that hangs over cities who won't pony up to pay for new stadiums. So we want taxpayer money to pay for the new stadium. And if you don't do this, who knows where we might go? You know, we have lots of options. Look how popular the game is in London. Look how popular the game is in Munich. We might just move a team there. I think it is a very useful leverage device. Um, so I would expect, and you, you see it, you'll see it this weekend. You'll see the sheer number of fans that will be at the game at Wembley, um, and I have no doubt that that would be the case. I think if you have a game in Madrid, that will sell out instantaneously. But a, a franchise, I remain incredibly skeptical around that. And listen, I appreciate the tax implications because, like, listen, us in the States, as much as we whine about taxes in, in, in the media and such like that, you know, you're like, hold my Guinness. Kyle, it's what per a um, there's another. I, I, I'll put it this way: we you could probably land the sponsorships in Europe, but you have those implications with travel and the practicality. Meanwhile, let's say you're like the one I hear them heard them talking a lot about with when Buffalo was trying to to do well. Is that is I don't know. Maybe we'll move the team to Toronto. You know, whereas in that case, now Toronto, I think I think Canada still has those kind of taxes and stuff. But like, let's say uh, Mexico and Mexico City. By the way, a bit of trivia for you, Colm. Before Jerry World was built, Mexico City, the site of the most attended, um, first 100,000 plus attended football game of all time. He's nodding. He knows about this. How could I underestimate him? But um, yeah, I, but in Mexico, the problem is you don't have that same corporate sponsorship structure and if somehow that could be mastered in mexico maybe you have something there too so obviously each site has its own challenges but i'm glad you brought the um the tax implications and all that to the forefront wasn't certainly on my frontal lobe but it's a great point um as far as that i i could i don't want to spend too far out of control and talk about fiscal policy and how somebody's used to paying more taxes than others is a football show um, we'll save that for the Guinness, uh, Guinness pipe meeting that we talk, uh, 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 about the taxes and stuff, but let me go to this then too. So say what you will about franchises lately when I, I was trying to plan ahead, you know, like anybody like me who, who covers four sports in this time of year and has a family and a day job. Um, I was looking ahead to sites of other Super Bowls, right? Uh, this coming years in Arizona, following year in Vegas, year after that, I'm going to chill with my in-laws in New Orleans and do all that. And then I saw something interesting in 2026, London as a possible Super Bowl site. Now, you said one-offs were somewhat viable as far as what they're doing, but you have a very interesting theory about how viable London is for a Super Bowl site as well, right? Yeah, again, like it has this, the stadiums and it would absolutely attract the crowd, but how how viable? So what what time does the Super Bowl kick off in East Coast time? Six o'clock, six thirty. Six o'clock. So that that is going to be eleven p.m. And if you're if you're telling me that the the Super Bowl then runs for at least three hours, more with that a halftime show, so the game isn't isn't gonna end until two two thirty. 
and that there is it's just it's not it's not viable to to do that with that many people because how are you going to move that many people the security concerns the um the sheer volume of transportation that would be required. And again, I think it, it goes back to the league. It, it's a very, it's a, it's a blunt leverage mechanism. It is, you are going to pony, and look, don't get me wrong, this isn't just the NFL. This is what FIFA do when it comes to the World Cup, right? FIFA make you change your tax code, right? If you want to host a, a World Cup. Um, all, all of the, and hey, FIFA give a World Cup, um, you know, to Qatar, which is coming up in a little while. We don't need to talk about corruption and stuff. Yeah. Because I'm not in that place. Yeah, no, I, and uh, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But I'm, I'm saying right. like, the, the, what, what is, what's involved in terms of, I suppose, like hosting a major, major event. There's also the fact that, you know, what would, what would that again look like for, um, fans of, of the team. I know the Super Bowl is already in, in ridiculously expensive, but imagine if a, a franchise, say the Jags, got in a couple of years, say Trevor Lawrence does take off and it works with Dougie P, and all of a sudden the Jags find themselves in, in a, a Super Bowl. How are fans of Florida going to feel? Or if it's the, the you know, the Cardinals get the opportunity. Or maybe let's say things don't go right for the Bills this this year, but all of a sudden in a couple of years, you know, they've rebuilt, but Josh Allen is still there. And now Josh Allen has, has lost maybe even a couple of Super Bowls and it's the LOS thing, right? And you're telling me Bills Mafia have to find a way to get to London to, to watch the game uh, and all of that. And remember, the NFL generally not keen on i suppose winter super bowls they, they do it every so often right it had it but generally again hey my broncos played in one which was outdoors and wow well we're really good at losing big in super bowls that's what we special, specialize in but generally what they like to do if they do that is they play it somewhere where it's a you know a dome when it was in Minneapolis, obviously, it was the, the new stadium that was there. We don't generally do domes over here. So it's going to be outdoors, and it's not going to, to be fantastic. So trying to play a game at one in, one in the morning in February in London, uh, when it is, and again, we use a different temperature scale, but I want to say like go minus 10. Um, and it's no nobody is, is going to enjoy that. Least of all, people paying ten thousand dollars for flights, accommodation, and game tickets. Well, and, and to your point, that also depends on the fan base you're talking about. Because, like, listen, you're talking about minus ten Celsius. Uh, listen, twenty below zero is nothing for Green Bay and Buffalo fans. Buffalo fans will literally fall on a table to still make that trip. No, really, look in the parking lot. But. Uh, <laughs> But listen, no, that's a lot of good points you're making about the logistics. Um, I feel like if the London Super Bowl did happen, um, the, the easiest thing, air quotes, for them to change would obviously be the time of the game. But, you know, I, I, again, th there would be a cultural shift. The conspiracy theory I'll offer is this column. 
before you'll see that Super Bowl before a franchise is ever built there, so they can kind of get that experimentation piece, right? How often have they put in rules just for the playoffs with designs on possibly adopting it the next year? So I, I think if it happens, which you bring up great points, I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying if it, I think it, it would have that experimentation aspect. If that Super Bowl happens, I'm going to start getting this cloak out because I wrote one of the first articles I wrote back in uh, 2018. Yes, that far back. Maybe even closer to 2016 even. I'm trying to remember. It's starting to blur now, Colin, at the point. But um, I, I wrote an article about uh, there being an in, the, IA, the IAFL, right? The International Football League instead of the NFL, right? No, no. I, you're looking at me like I got a tinfoil hat on my head. Trust me. It was thought out some. Um, obviously some of the logistical things would have to be worked out. Um, but to your point, I definitely don't think we see it in this decade. Right. Um, so I, I, I'll put it this way. Would, is it, is it, let's meet in the middle. Is it a safe argument that these one-off events, should they continue to build? Should they continue to be successful? Is the bridge to a franchise or the way I would put it, a set of franchises, right? Let's, I would say it would start with kind of another version, a better version, let's say, of the NFL Europe, which started a few careers. I feel like you would have the, the way that that would go is one-off events, a successful league launch. Because you mentioned semi-pro leagues. Hey, that guy there on the wall behind me was left tackle for a guy in a semi-pro uh, league, who he ended up playing in a French semi-pro league, the, the Templiers, if you're wanting to be specific. Um, you know, so I'm aware of that presence being there. It's the first step, but I feel like that kind of NFL Europe too, for a better way to put it, it would have to happen. And then it would have to be kind of pulled into the NFL, like the AFL and the NFL merged. Is that kind of the best viable solution, or I should say path in your mind? Long term, absolutely. I think you're talking a long way down the line. Look, Roger Goodell talked about it very recently the, at the last uh, London game, actually, before the Giants and the Packers. The Packers obviously were the last franchise to come over and, and play in London, and they finally did this year. And Roger Goodell was asked about it, and he said, yeah, he'd love to see a franchise in London. But then he said, I'd actually love to see a division in Europe. So the commissioner is talking about it openly. Again, I, I do think there, there are um, constraints and, and things you'd have to look at. But that, like the NFL in Europe, certainly is something that they could look at. The, the other thing, I suppose, is around potentially... Uh, a, like the ad, the advertising, um, and in terms of you know how how that kind of money would would work, but it will be interesting to see over the next decade because if kind of we went back to even say go back a decade right go to twenty twelve, and we weren't all it was social media was just really beginning its uh, to to take over everything, but people were still watching full like the full full games. When you talk to, when you hear people like, um, you know, Goodell speak, Henry Hodgson speak, um, they talk about how important, and the NFL copped onto this very quickly, possibly even more so than, like, much more so than the Premier League. People want to see the, the highlights instantaneously. There's no waiting. Right? I grew up in an era, the reason I love 
NFL and American football was a highlights program that used to take place on a Monday night. And I couldn't watch anything until that point. Now I want to see it. Like now by a Monday night, everybody has seen all the big plays on Sunday. There have already been a host of podcasts discussing it, breaking it down. So it's done. We live kind of in an era of time, space, compression, time, space, distanciation, all, all of those things that those concepts are real and, and they're happening. Um, and so I just think it would be interesting to, to see what the next 10 years brings, because 10 years ago, people were still watching everything mainly on TV. And that, that is is not the case now. So what does it look like in 2032? No, hey, listen, those are all great points. I used to watch Inside NF the NFL all the time too, buddy. I get you. So, uh, no, with all that in mind, that's 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 that. I see the path to victory. I just don't know that it is a secured victory. And to your point, you know, I think you agree with me. It's certainly not going to be in the 2020s um, for any stretch of the imagination there too. And and and, and or you say 2032? Yeah, I don't I don't think it'll happen by then as well. I we can confirm for a fact that there'll be a college football playoff here in the states for college football before that happens and that in itself is a whole moved mountain. Well we have we have had college ball in Ireland now. Uh so obviously yeah. this this year we had uh, Northwestern and Nebraska, Notre Dame are back over again next year and so it's the first time we've actually had back to back. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of grows and develops as well. But obviously I think all sports. I don't think it'll be you know that long until we see a Premier League game played in, on US soil. I think that's an inevitability. Oh yeah, You've, uh, there's there's uh, been exhibition here in Orlando, for example, and and you mentioned that Irish Bowl. Uh, UCF played Penn State, I believe. There, I forget who the coach was, but I have to give that shout so I can link to the black and gold banneret with whom I uh, cover UCF football myself here. Bing. Anyways, um, Colin, man, great conversation. We're doing this again sometime. Just hope it's the Broncos are. Uh, uh, I like Rusty. <laughs> I wanted him to get earn his MVP this year, and look what happened. Look, look, look what happened. The, the fact that his his replacement in Seattle could be the one that that earns those uh, that MVP. It, it's such a strange year. It is. Um, we we are kind of in the the upside down. But yes, let's this this would definitely be fun. I think the next time it should be done over pints, though. I like the sound of that. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, all I got to do is convince the missus to travel with me to one of these Jags games because Shad Khan has leaned into making that involved. I go up there, you know, for home games every week uh, already with the three-point conversion in A7BN Sports. Bing! So, listen, I'm working on my passport. I have a wedding in Greece to attend next year. And then maybe, just maybe, next year's season, that pike can happen in person. It's going to be tight, Cullum. But you should, you should make that happen, Kyle. I'm working on it, man. Listen, may the force be with me. I'm, I'm, I'm striking it. And listen, the wife is all about international travel. She's a Francophile, but that's a whole other question and conversation we'll talk about over those pints, man. But listen, let the world know. Literally the world. It's not just a term now. Let the world know where you can be found, Colm. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cullum from Cork, which is my hometown. Love interacting with fans. Uh, as Kyle can attest to, I uh, enjoy uh, telling stories. So do reach out. You can find me on, I'm on so every social media channel at Cullum from Cork. And if you enjoy people 
who don't pronounce the H in TH words, uh, you can find us on the Irish NFL show, uh, 33 and a third. And uh, we have uh, three shows, three, three trees that go out uh, every week. And again, we, we love kind of interacting with people. So if you, any of your listeners, also if you're, if you're coming to Ireland and you want recommendations, maybe you're visiting Dublin, you're visiting Cork, Galway, um, reach out, get in touch. I am happy to um, act as uh, something of a de facto uh, tour guide and point you in the direction. It is an amazing country. It's a fantastic place to, to visit. So yeah, do get in touch. Absolutely, man. And hey, listen, it's a shame Ireland isn't more famous for wine because I would love the show Cork Uncorked. That would be great. <laughs> I, 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 that's fantastic. There, There is uh, definitely a podcast, a wine review podcast. Um, if I move home, I think that's maybe what I'll start. That's what I'm talking about. You got your title. I won't even ask for a royalty. Anyway. Call Cronin, everybody. Thanks for coming in, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Boy, that and listen, there was no excuse for that to be as fun as it was, and yet here we go. And I say that not because Cullum isn't great, but like we were talking about taxes. When is that ever fun? And lo and behold, we made it happen. Now, listen, uh, great for him to come aboard. Shouts to uh, Cullum Cronin as well as the Irish NFL show. Um, listen, uh, don't be put off by anything like that. What do you mean? It's America, sport, America, football. No, hey, listen. These guys know their ish, they're fun, they're knowledgeable, they're everything you want in an NFL show, and certainly beat the hell out of anything you'll find on ESPN. And on that, I shall not front. Anyways, so let's move to something else real quick. First of all, uh, shouts to the three-point conversion for whom I write. Um, you can find this week's edition, of course, of the Matchup Mania podcast uh, on there as well. It drops on Wednesdays. So uh, there's that. That's a good time. Um, but with that in mind, I, I, I also have uh, written a feature piece on Travis Intian, who uh, had his first 100-yard game as a Jaguar, which, I mean, listen, I, I know it's difficult to celebrate a milestone like that. Certainly, um, he expressed his disappointment in um in um having a loss occur for such a milestone he 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 felt he couldn't really celebrate it to be blunt about it you know so there's that but um he he uh his 100 yard game and his place as the um as the fifth Ranked pass catcher and yardage on the team. Top among those who aren't tight ends, by the way. right? Um, cements him as a player who's certainly making his mark. Now, the, call, uh, the, the, the article in question yet still hasn't posted on uh, the three-point conversion. But when it does, you'll notice something at the end. Me referencing the train of one James Robinson. Me and my good friend Travis Holmes were in the building in the press box at TIAA Stadium watching this game. And while I was in the locker room talking to Travis Entian, Travis Holmes, Trav likes bacon. You've seen him on the show, Talking Jaguars with me here on the Student of the Game podcast. Bing! Does it count if I'm propping the show that I'm on? Anyways. 
But hearing Doug Peterson sort of dance around the question regarding why, on the stat sheet at least, James Robinson didn't have a carry, it's very awkward. And credit to my good friend Travis, noted the fact that it was awkward. I mean, there's dancing during halftime shows, but none to the extent that Doug Peterson apparently was dancing around the question of James, Robin, James Robinson's availability alleged therein. And on Monday, something about him having a knee injury does emerge. Um, allegedly, again, probably still from the same press conference in question. However, the fact that he had to check with his trainer, that was his response. And, 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 but how are you already checking with the trainer for a player's status? If you are trying to put together a game plan for a game, you would already know if he's available, but you got to check with the trainer when it's already happened. And he didn't really get hurt during the game because he was only even on the field for 17, 17% of it. And again, didn't actually take a statistical snap was one of few players apparently not removed by a stretcher in that game with the Jags versus the Giants. Whole other conversation, goodness gracious. And yet you expect all of us to believe that, 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 that you didn't know if James Robinson was available? Really? Now, of course, at first I uh, uh, we had uh, heard some murmurings because Travis had done well. Travis Entian. Travis Holmes always does well. That's why I have him on the show. Boom, take that, Travis. Shouts to Travis Holmes. <laughs> but when Travis had filled in the blank of Doug Peterson's dancing, it was very interesting. Even I was compelled to buy it. Now, I would have preferred the Jags get some sort of defensive back help, especially with Shaquille Griffin being on IR now. Um, and, you know, their future apparently, allegedly, moving away from him as a player on that squad. But they get somebody in there to be sort of a, uh, you know, depth role kind of guy you know not necessarily the next starter per se or you know heck if you get one fine but instead it's like a i forget the exact picks this is my fault for not having it written down in front of me but like sixth and seventh pick i i appreciate that it being a contract year for j rob james robinson you got something for him but dang it's not a whole lot Meanwhile, you may have very well done something to save the Jets' season long-term as they vie for something to account for the, all the injuries on their squad, especially Brees Hall at the running back position. I'm not here to say that James Robinson's just as good as Brees Hall. Frankly, I'm not here to say that one is necessarily better than the other. I haven't seen enough Bryce Hall, Brees Hall sorry, NFL film um, to make that decision. I've only ever seen him in... The Citrus Bowl, I believe it was. Might have been the Cheez-It Bowl one year. Yeah, it was the Cheez-It Bowl and the Camp World Bowl. That's it. Um, one year, he was facing Notre Dame. Um, that was the Citrus. But no, yes. It's starting to blur now, folks. I'll be honest. Um, but in Orlando Bowl, and the other time, it was against, you know, the, the, uh, the greatest mole in the United States of America in Mike Gundy. But for my money, 
I, 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 I really think the Jags kind of got rid of him for absolutely nothing. But I can understand the commitment to Travis Entian. And here's what the, that message sends to me, is that Doug Peterson is trying to develop rookies and youth here and, and, and get the next regime in the building, so to speak. Trevor Lawrence is there. He's been preaching patience. And as much as Jags fans or a lot of analysts, including my good friend Travis, probably don't want to hear, the argument is strong to consider his rookie year, Travis, uh, Trevor Lawrence, under Urban Meyer to basically be a throwaway. Like, can anybody tell me a skill, a positive trait that Trevor Lawrence developed under Urban Meyer? If you do and it passes muster, I will buy you a beer once I drive to your location. But, um, yeah, I, I get that. But the other big trade I want to walk through before we get Mark Mancini here on the show is run CMC, Christian McCaffrey, from the Panthers to the 49ers. Now, the, the trade involves, you know, draft picks. A ton of draft picks, draft picks, and draft picks. I, I honestly don't have the patience to walk through all of it because nobody wants to hear me list a bunch of draft picks. That's not the purpose of the show. You want me to evaluate what impact I think Christian McCaffrey can make. It's not like I thought him coming to San Francisco for the Chiefs game would suddenly make Patrick LeVon, the Mahomes the second, not be the best quarterback in the NFL right now, hashtag I said it, and change the life of that game. That's not a thing. Wasn't going to happen. Niners still going to lose this game. Facts of the case. Now, props to the coaching staff for getting Christian McCaffrey up to speed. And, I mean, dude had eight snaps in a game where the team had – 67 total plays. 10% of plays on the ground, excuse me, overall were him carrying it. While Mc oh, I'm sorry, he had two catches too. So like one-sixth-ish one of the offense, eh, call it more than one-seventh, how about that? It's pretty significant, right? We're looking at better than 12% of the offense going through him in what was a pretty varied game. You know, by the way, you know you're in a bad spot where Brock Purdy has thrown nine passes in the football game. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But the 49ers have told you with this, with this move that they are trying to make that last big swing to get to the Super Bowl. The gup side for this is McCaffrey isn't going to be trying to carry the bulk of the load for this squad allegedly, like he was the Panthers. Why is that important? Because the dude has a history of not staying very healthy for very long. I'm actually very happy to hear that he made it through the Chiefs game without an injury. By the way, you brought in an injury-prone running back to support an injury-prone quarterback, one Jimmy Garoppolo. Not, not, not necessarily stable policy in my mind and again i'm not here to for lack of a better word just bang on the trade as something that's awful i just don't know that it was prudent what this tells me is they more than and people are saying big swings for the super bowl i mentioned here and i think there's some validity to that 
But I also feel like the 49ers have told us out loud they still don't know what to think of Trey Lance. And frankly, how could they? He might be the more in, most injury-prone uh, injury quarterback on the squad. And Brock Purdy is getting time because of it, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, being the second most injury-prone quarterback, at least has a Super Bowl under his belt and, is, and can claim to have completed a single year, at least in the NFL, injury-free. And look what happened when he did. And I know as much as people want to tell me how much they trust the 49ers, the facts of the case of this, let's be honest, the only reason why the 49ers are relevant is that the NFC is the inferior conference this year, and it is not close. Go ahead, quickly. Tell me the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I don't know if it's them either. <laughs> Somebody probably said the Vikings. <laughs> At some point, you got a playoff game, and you're going to lose because Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. Next question. The Bucs, surely they're a factor. They're barely winning the NFC uh, South right now. Oops. Who else you got? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They won't get it out of their own division and have a good chance of missing the playoffs outright because teams like Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks are coming out of nowhere. That's right. Comeback player of the year candidate, Geno Smith up in this beast doing things. The only reason I don't have Pete Carroll as a coach of the year candidate, as sickening as that sounds, is because he's a defensive coach and his defense is awful. And it's not close. You put up, what was it, 42, 45, I forget, against the Lions? And they're without DJ Chark and Swift, their running back. DeAndre Swift, I think. I forget his first name. Punchline's this. They're missing major weapons. They still put up 45 points, and you're a defensive coach. But you want to be a coach of the year. Brian Dayball is not it. I'm sorry because it's Nick Sirianni. I swear to God, people complain about there being early Christmas decorations out here in October, and they are right. And if people don't like early Christmas and the early celebration of giving, then you should hate the Giants because they have been given a butt ton of breaks. I'm going to commit eight penalties. Oh, great. I still win because the Jags committed 13 in another turnover that I didn't. I'm going to open the game against the Titans against whom I should lose, and they shank the kick after playing horrible football themselves, and there's another game I have. But all I hear about is 6-1. and one. Guess what I just did, folks? I made them 4-3 and three in a very practical venture. Interesting that. They play a team with any semblance of actual talent, which I still struggle to call the Cowboys. I'm sorry, Big Jim and EJ. And they lose, and they get the doors blasted off them. Now, I get presented with the Eagles, and I have to be honest, the Robert Quinn trade, I'm going to rethink this statement for next week. Don't you worry about it. It just happened before this recording. I haven't had full time to analyze it, but I can tell you this. All my people, Philly people love it. What you got, I mean, first of all, every trade I feel like that comes out of Chicago ends with this statement, statement, the Bears got fleeced again. I saw what you gave up to the 49ers to draft Mitchell Trubisky eventually with a pick. Thank you for that. Teehee. Now, granted, the Niners didn't do much with it, but that's not the point. 
all the Bears did that day was make Nag- Matt Nagy escape scapegoat pre- predeterminedly. Why do Bear fans hate him so much? Oh, he's such a bad coach. Coach of the year getting Mitchell Trubisky to the uh, dang playoffs for you, but cool, whatever. Nobody wants to talk about that. I digress. But where the challenge for me sits right now is actually naming an NFC team that is head and shoulders better. The AFC has a couple. Buffalo and Kansas City are outright better. I didn't say unbeatable. I didn't say guarantee. I didn't Joe Namath you. Don't put me in the Hall of Fame for no reason. Okay? Hashtag I said it. But can somebody tell me what sense I'm supposed to make of the NFC? And of course, listen, it's not even the halfway point. The first thing I did on this show was tell you how close we are to the halfway point without actually reaching the halfway point. It was a halfway point asymptote. Someone out there is going to be like, oh, he said ass. No, it's an asymptote. If you don't know what it is, look it up. Approaching zero without actually get there. You know, it's kind of like a credit card balance. Anyways, <laughs> that's right. Uh, nerdy math jokes. And we were talking about taxes earlier. What a show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, the Bears are, or excuse me, the Bears, ha. The Eagles are 6-0, and oh, but when you watch them, do you think Super Bowl team? I mean, what's the toughest game they've had opponent-wise? The Cowboys? The Cardinals? Does that impress you? Are you counting the Vikings? And they did dominate the Vikings. I have to check what time that show, uh, or wait, that game was on. Oh, wait, it was Monday night. No wonder they won. I'm just saying. <laughs> and the rest of the Eagles' schedule is full of, te- full of teams that are bad or trending downward. As a matter of fact, in a statement that makes no bleeding sense, December 11th in East Rutherford, when the Eagles play the Giants, might be the toughest game remaining on their schedule. Because the way the Packers are struggling, and with a new Robert Quinn at defensive end. <laughs> Anyone taking the Packers to win that game? I'm not. A team in green will win that game. They will not have green in their city name. Spoiler alert. I know we haven't done picks yet for that game because we're in October. And hey, listen, things can happen still. I get that. But I'm in no position to crown the Eagles yet either. And I mean, no offense to my Philly people. Listen, you know, Matt Milheisen, uh, Tom Kernan, and um, Bashir Pemberton, who all love the trade, apparently, by the way. You know, don't come at me, bro. All three have been on the show, and I've agreed with their points about about why the Phillies are good. But even they are like, Super Bowl? Meh. But at this point, honestly, you have to pick them as the favorite to make the Super Bowl, right? The NFC's that bad. And their schedule is as well. I'm going to make the Rex Grossman Chicago Bears defense. The reason why the Bears made it to that Super Bowl, where they eventually lost to Peyton Manning after Devin Hester opened the game, taking the bleeding kickoff to the house, and going, oh boy, Peyton's not going to win the big one. What happened was, Dominic Rhodes made a campaign to be the Super Bowl MVP, which wasn't going to happen because Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Sorry. You know, 
But the Bears got to that Super Bowl on the strength of a sorry schedule and a weakened NFC. The NFC North that year was outright awful. I think that was kind of those loose post-Farb years. I have to think about that a little bit, too. I, I don't know how that works exactly. It might have been like Rodgers first. I, I don't know. I got to think about that. It might have been Favre was hurt or something. I really don't remember. I have to look it up. But the Bears also played like the Panthers or something in the um, – well, not or something. They, they did play the Panthers in the conference championship. Whew. What an overwhelming opponent that was. Listen, I love Steve Smith as much as the next guy, but Jake DeLome is not a great quarterback, and John Fox does not get enough credit for getting that dude to the damn Super Bowl. The facts of the case are those, folks. So, the difference is, I really think this Eagles team will beat the snot out of the Rex Grossman Bears team. Maybe not in special teams because Devin Hester is a bad man. And I'm not saying that because he's from Miami. There are plenty of other orange teams that are good now that are back, and Miami still isn't among them. I said it. Anyways, I'm starting to get this raids going. I'm the wrong guy for this. I need to bring in Madman Mancini. That's his job. Right? So let me get it. Let me get this dude in here. What's going on? The Madman coming. Wow. On, I, on hump day, man, you rip it. This is the most must-see, must-hear radio show sweep in the country. The hell with Stephen A. Smith. The hell with Keyshawn Johnson. I don't need to hear these guys. You and I, baby, on a Wednesday night. Let's roll them. I love it, dude. Hey, listen, I'll give Keyshawn the damn ball, but give me the damn mic. That's what I say. That's what I say. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what it is with Jet players, man. Just give me the damn ball. Got Elijah Moore bitching and moaning in New York. Dude, they're 5-2. and two. Shut up and play football. Great point, man. Listen, I, I and I think I picked him actually the past week to win that game. Granted, it was the Broncos and, you know, my good friend Cullum, who was on earlier talking international ball uh, like that. Rough night for him, sure, but I'll put it this way. Who here had the Jets at 5-2 and two right now? Put your hand down. No, you didn't. Yeah. Joe Flacco was starting, guys. You did not have 5-2. 4-0 <laughs> and oh on the road, baby. They're road warriors, man. Yeah, no, the, w the WWF didn't have road warriors that good. So, <laughs> so man, listen, that right. Great to How have you, man, you. baby. I'm good, man. I'm good. Listen, it's, 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 I'll tell you a lot going on for me, man. I had UCF hoops media day. Uh, and then also I talked to, um, to the big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormack talking about expansion in college football. Well, uh, well, I shouldn't say expansion. It came up, but talking about expansion in the future, not only of the conference, but college football itself. And I'll tell you, man, he keeps using the word fourth time zone as part yeah. of his target. Might want to look out if you're Oregon. Or somebody like that. Throw it yeah, out. I'll be, I'll be down in your neck of the woods in March, baby. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, down okay. there, man. Let's tear this thing up, man. I, I got so much custom. I'm dealing with New Yorkers, and I'm dealing with uh, Hollywood hopefuls out here, man. I just said, I just put your teams in my rearview mirror. I don't need to see it on March. <laughs> what, what are we doing, man? What are we doing? We took out two. 100-plus teams out of the equation, two teams that are Fortune 500s that ro run robotics players out there, and now you're talking about my fish tacos in 75-degree weather in Diego. <laughs> my man, yeah. No, we were going to go to the World Series. I can't transition it better than that, man. Yeah. So, I, I mean, because I know I know the, uh, the Padres took a big swing with, some, some, uh, 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 with a trade in there earlier in the year, and – I still don't think anybody had them on the card necessarily to to win um, the, their their championship series, but here we are, right? 
Yeah, we got people bitching and moaning saying it's not fair. We won 100 games in the regular season, and the sorry uh, San Diego Padres come in here and knock us out, and it's not fair. We need to restructure this. (laughs) Goliath's always complaining about David. You know, that's the problem. I have a bruise on my forehead from this stone. It's not fair. Yeah. He's got too many stones that hit me in my forehead, and that's the problem. But, you know, I got to face the music in Philly tomorrow, so that should be a a barn burner. Dude, we got to get you on that Philly show, man, next month. I'm about that life. Yeah, no, let's do that. I I will make time, Mark. Make no mistake. And by then, UCF's uh, traveling schedule kicks up, so, you know, that is what it is. But, well, I, I noticed Sunday night, man. It looked like uh, Pittsburgh moved down to the south, man. That stadium was full of terrible towels. What the hell's that? Oh, the Steelers traveling well ain't new, baby. Listen, I mean, how else do you how yeah. else do you establish a rivalry with a new franchise in Jacksonville when that was a thing? <laughs> like you don't you don't do that unless you travel well. You don't you don't establish com, uh, colonies unless you can sail. That's all I'm saying. Baby. Well, well, and you're absolutely right. The three organizations that travel well is the Pack, the Boys, and the Steelers. So, but for what it's worth, and I know that 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 you being a dude that respects Philly and all like you do, uh, you would not have enjoyed the scene in Jacksonville when I was covering Giants Jags, bro. There was a lot of Giants jerseys up in that beast, a lot. Yeah, no you know, the, you know, they're they're boisterous those New Yorkers, man. You can't put two words together because they've had only twenty beers in them before the uh, game starts. <laughs> I don't know if they pull them out of the Hudson or are they just hanging on the Statue of Liberty and then they just fly in, man. What's going on there, man? At least they I don't... thought the Jags, I really thought the Jags were going to pull it out, man. Oh, so did I. And actually, for all intents and purposes, Mark, they they they, they should have. Like Travis Entian, though he had his first 100-yard game fumbling yeah. out of the back of the end zone, it, it broke. It kind of broke their back there. And, you know, and listen, give credit, give credit to the Giants, Mark. If I had said to you going into that game, the difference will be Danny Dimes running for 100 yards. It would have been a great laugh for us both. Well, not only that, the Jags have got to figure out a way. Ever since they left Philly, they've come back home, got beaten by the Texans, gone up to Indianapolis, lose a heartbreaker, come back, play the Giants, lose a heartbreaker. They got to right the ship. I think they're going to clean the Bronx out. Yeah, as do I. I mean, and 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 it's at the point now where London is as it, among the thirty-two teams. London's the closest to a home game for a team as the Jacks. Shot Khan has leaned to that so hard. Maybe they'll find a way to avoid permitting thirteen penalties. And hey, Urban Meyer's first win as Jaguars coach was against the Dolphins in London. So maybe there'll be some uh, uh, mojo there to help them going, man. But listen. I opened the show talking about the struggles of the senior quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment. I mean, let me ask you this. I don't know if you heard about Matt Ryan getting set for uh, Yosemite San Ellinger in Indy year, but I'm, I'm pretty much declaring Matt Ryan retired at this point. What about you, buddy? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And the only bigger news than what's going on in Indianapolis is Martha Stewart wants to date Pete Davidson. <laughs> The lady's 81, man. He's 28. What are you doing? You're going to date your grandson? Hey, shit, listen. If nothing else, you can account <laughs> her as a power broker and making good business moves. Yeah. Does, man. He's, got about- more t- he's got more tattoos on him than a tattoo parlor. I mean, talk about talk about insider information. Anyway, <laughs> <Exactly>. oh. 
No, man, but let, let's transition from Matt Ryan to another aging quarterback that struggled. Uh, your Red Tails, sorry, Commanders, beating Aaron Rodgers. Who had that on their bingo card? Well, I, well I'll tell you, man, I watched that game, and, man, it, it got a little ugly there at the end. Green Bay almost pulled it out, but I will tell you this. I think Aaron Rodgers is starting to face the word adversity, and he's starting to throw some of his guys under the bus. Mm-hmm. If they lose in Buffalo Sunday night, it's going to get really interesting. You know, you got to eat these things under, you know, uh, locker room quarters and stuff. Keep that side inside. Don't stand here and say we might have to replace some guys. You don't want to throw your guys that are making you look good with that football and throw them under the bus. So it's going to get interesting. Green Bay's a mess. Minnesota's got that division. And I don't know what the hell's going on in Detroit. I had to go back and forth with a dude from Chicago telling me about the Bears. I said, they haven't been relevant since 85. And they <laughs> need the Super Bowl because they hated Rex Grossman. Uh, see, you, 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 you feel how I do about that Rex Grossman team. Yeah. I appreciate that. But give the Bears a little credit. Here's the thing. They beat the Patriots on Monday night and props to them. I didn't see that coming. Nobody generally did, but I love how all the reindeer love Justin Fields. Now I've been trying to tell you cats that if they properly supported him, Justin Fields granted low bar mark, meet me here, but Justin Fields had the potential to be the best quarterback in the franchise's history. If they just gave him some darn thing to work with now, that's the problem. Yeah. Now Justin Fields, in my opinion, is going to be successful, but it won't be wearing a Bills uniform, or excuse me, Bears uniform. Your thoughts? Well, you might be right. You know, I think everybody that starts out in Chicago, I mean, they just burn them out so fast. Look at the case in point, Mitch Trubinsky. You know, there's been a long list of quarterbacks that have come through there that they just haven't been able to to materialize. And it's like coaches there. They change them like they change underwear. So, hmm. I mean, that's a big thing when you when you look at it. But you know, the real situation is the situation that's going on in Detroit. Mm. Here's this UFC sponsor, Dan Campbell, telling everybody he's going to do this and that. Ever since the first game against Philly, they've had their asses handed to them in New England and Dallas. What's going on with that? I don't even know if they can beat Miami in the Motown. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I would – I don't even – we'll get to pick soon enough. We'll break that down later. That's a good point too. But, yeah, let, you know, but what about – what about Tampa Tom? That poor guy. I think that might be, maybe it's not the most obvious, but it's certainly to me the most disappointing. 21 to 3, 2 and 12 on third down. I don't know what well, I'll that. T- I'll tell you, I don't know. That that might have been the beginning of the end with Carolina, but you know, you lose your your model wife that you go home to. Everything's going good in Tampa. The weather's good. You know, looking at Tom lately, he looks like he's on a hunger strike. He doesn't look good, man. I don't know, man. He's he looks like he's dropping weight there. What's going on? I love the guy, but man, he doesn't look the same. I think this this divorce is taking a lot out of him. Hopefully, they can reconcile here for the kids' sake and everything. But man, life was good when you had Antonio Brown coming down there in the beginning, and you know, uh, the, the, you won a Super Bowl, and then we saw the the Brown meltdown and. Now, you know what the big thing is there is there's no Gronkowski, man. That's the huge thing. That was a big part right there. I mean, the guy can block, he can get open, he can pick up yards. You're missing that. Yeah, I always appreciated Gronk, uh, even as a uh, a patriot. Um, you know, it, 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 he got hurt a lot, but I think he it's because he did a lot of things. He and J.J. Watt had something in common, Mark, is 
as big guys, they did a lot of things that big guys shouldn't do as far, far as like aerodynamics. And a human bone and muscle structure just isn't designed for a large man to move they, the way they move sometimes, man. You know what I'm saying? No, uh, you're definitely right on that. And that's a big loss. And, you know, and then you got Mike Evans here with golf lessons. And what, what's going on, man, in Tampa? They got to right the ship, man. You know, I, I always figured in that division, Atlanta would be a tough nut to crack there. They're, they're coming on. Mariota's having a good year. The Falcons are believing in themselves. I think this is a two-team race with the Falcons and Bucks, and, you know, eight, nine wins might give you the division. Yeah, no, we said that on the Huddle Up podcast uh, uh, last night when we recorded that, that that a losing, this that that division, which I declared the worst in football back in August, um, was, it, it could be a position where this, this looks like that NFC West of the past where Marshawn Lynch and the Seattle Seahawks with Tavares Jackson at quarterback we're seven and nine and won a playoff game. So what about that, right? Tom Brady makes it at seven and nine and he wins a playoff game. The press loses mind filleting him. Uh, well, not week. only that, look at Seattle. They were projected to win five games. They've already won four and they're leading the NFC West. Go figure. It's all Pete Carroll there. That's the bottom line. It's leadership. You can take players away. They've lost a lot of guys over the years on defense. You lose a quarterback in Russell Wilson, but. Boy, the resurrection of Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean, he said, "Listen, regardless of how of how I feel about Pete Carroll as a defensive coach with the defense that's bad, uh, Geno Smith is a comeback player of the year candidate." Simply put, no, no doubt, no doubt. Nice running attack. I mean, you haven't seen a runner there since Kurt Warner in '83. Yeah, you have. It was Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, man, oh, that's great. Hey, and the you know, look at look at the 49ers are playing the Rams, and, and, and the Rams have lost seven straight to them. I mean, they beat them like a drum. That's a psychological thing, man. What's yeah. going out here in Hollywood, man? The Rams are just a mess. I, you know, I, I think. Listen, we had this conversation. I'll say it again because I love saying it. Too many vegetarians and not enough beef. That's the issue. Yeah, yeah that's that's what it is. I mean, you know, you, you're trying to get Odell Beckham in the mix. He's sitting there recuperating in the Bahamas, figuring out who he's going to play for next. There's no Vaughn Miller. They've 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 got that Stafford to cup. Everybody's seen that on uh, play films and everything. There's no running attack. They lose out on Christian McCaffrey. And here we go with the 49ers again to kick their ass. I think they're in awe of these guys. And they've been in awe of the 49ers ever since the Montana and Clark and all that. They just can't seem to get past the red and gold. Maybe it's the cable cars. I don't know. <laughs> the San Francisco treat. Uh, yeah. No, man. I, that's, I, I don't have an answer for you any better uh, than that. Um, I, I don't know. Really quick before we jump to picks, do you have any? Did you? What'd you think of college football this week? Anything you noticed there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, you know, it's going to get interesting. I'm hoping USC can get in the mix of this thing. Clemson pulled one out of stunner. Oh yeah. Uh, it's going to get interesting here. Uh, Penn State, man, I, I think they can pull a surprise this week. I don't know. Pittsburgh's really? playing North Carolina. Pittsburgh will get back into the win. You know, keep it going. This is these are battles that you got to take you know, and, and run with here. But I think Alabama, man, by the, when the dust clears, they'll be back and they'll be playing. And if they get in it in the top four, it'll be only one time since they've gone to this top four thing, Alabama's been knocked out of it. Yeah, and I, I, I actually covered the Citrus Bowl that year when it was yeah. Michigan and Alabama. Saban and Harbaugh in a press conference. How about <laughs> that, Mark Mancini? 
Oh, you know, I've, I've had the luxury of interviewing Harbaugh, man. He's a great guy. Absolutely. He's got these guys, man. He's got these guys playing football. They're believing in themselves. You know, everybody said they couldn't beat Ohio State. Now they'll play Ohio State when they do in, in the, in, you know, in uh, the shoe. He'll, he'll beat them there. I don't think Ohio State's going anywhere, I really. And, you know, when the dust clears, I got Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, and SC in this thing. Fair enough. Hey, listen, I, I, it's not that I have an issue with SC. Heck, I, I, I picked them to be a top 10 team back in August, but I don't think the committee is going to put in um, an, a, a, a one loss um, pack. You might yeah. be right. You know. but Lincoln Riley, man, he's a riverboat gambler right up there with McKay, right up there with Carroll, turning around a program. Look what Chip Kelly's doing at UCLA. The people hate him, but you know, the guy makes progress every year. He, he Look at his portal. He brings in guys. I mean, he, it's, it's just progress every year with Chip Kelly. I don't know. Maybe they hated him because he was in at Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the un, un, unorthodox system is, is definitely a thing that people have trouble getting used to. I saw it run here at UCF with Scott Frost, right, one of his understudies coming in uh, when they won their national championship in the books. So all I'll say it, with with that is the only danger with Chip Kelly is that turnaround is quick with him, right? Yeah. Once he left Oregon, Eagles had him. That didn't last. The Niners had him for like a hot second. Second, not minute. Yeah. And he was done. And, you know, and listen, it's not like I want the guy to not have a job, but transitioning to the to the Big Ten with that style of offense did you learn nothing from Scott Frost in Nor- uh, Nebraska? The same. Yeah, that yeah no, that's that's a good one. And I think hot seats, if you're looking at hot seats down the line, I think you're going to look at uh, Brian Kelly at LSU, Steve Sarkissian at Texas. And, you know, I don't know how much rope Cristobal will have at Miami because, you know, he's not a Howard Schembechler. He's not a Jimmy Johnson. It's going to be interesting to see how much rope Cristobal gets down there in Miami. He had a – a peach situation at Oregon to go to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, Mark, and, and like, granted, you know, I know we both know they got boosters texting them nasty yeah. right now, but remember Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe the first year he coached yeah. Alabama. So that's a thing. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And it's going to, Saban's going to go down, you know, just as the best ever in college football. They're going to, I mean, I never thought anybody would touch Bear Bryant, but then here came Nick Saban. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, man. Let's get in these picks, Mark. Okay. All right, Can't right wait, on. Man. So first off, leading off Thursday night on Amazon Prime, you have the new school of Lamar Demetrius Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens heading over to battle Tampa Bay and Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber. Brady, I, who you got, Mark? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Baltimore is probably kicking themselves in the ass. They've lost three games, Buffalo, Giants, and Miami, where they could really be 6-0 and right now and burying the, the Pittsburghs and Clevelands and, you know, keeping Cincinnati at bay. But this is going to be another tight one, but I think Tampa finds a way to win it. I think they put all their problems behind. They know it's at stake. It's a bad division, the NFC South, but they're going to beat the, the Baltimore Ravens. On the road, especially. Listen, I like your point about it being close, but I only agree in the sense that it's low scoring. On the stat sheet, the Ravens will dominate in in a, in a very special fashion. I too have the Ravens on the road there. Uh, so next up in London, a little breakfast ball, if you will. Denver 
and Jacksonville. Who you got, Mark? Well, you know, I like Jacksonville. I love, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I love Doug Peterson. The Broncos are a mess. They've kept it close in a lot of games, but keeping it close in a lot of games is is, is not good unless you're playing horseshoes. The Broncos are in for a long year. Russell Wilson's having a tough time adapting to that uh, weather air. The offense has been stagnant. The defense has been keeping in games. The offense just hasn't put up numbers. Checking point to the Chargers, checking point to the Colts. You know, you look at the Raider game, and I, I just think there's another game where Jacksonville knows what's at stake, and then they're trying to win a division. Denver's just trying to get to the 500 mark. It's going to be a tough year in Denver. I got Jacksonville. I, too, have the Jaguars. Despite the fact they committed 13 penalties last week, it'll be better this week. I am confident in that despite international travel. The Panthers head to Atlanta to battle the fraud cons. What say you, Mark? The women are better in Atlanta. The city's better in Atlanta. And, man, I will tell you, I like Marcus Mariota. The, the Falcons have been in games, man. They could have beat the Rams. They could have beat the Bengals. I know the Bengals, you know, beat them a little bit more worse than the Rams did because they came back on the Rams down 28-3. to But this Falcon team has been keeping it close, man. They're starting to believe in themselves, and they're closing the gap in the division. I said they'd finish second in this division behind Tampa. People said, what are you talking about? The Dirty Bird's been dead for years. But, no, it's risen now, and it just hasn't risen for Halloween. They have risen, and they're moving up north in this thing with the whole band box. I like the Falcons. The zombie birds. That's a hell of a Halloween costume right there. Um, I, too, like the Falcons. And based on our our prediction, that would put them ahead of this AFC South this time next week. Good God. What In the words of Vince Lombardi, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) Anyways, uh, the Bears traveled to Jerry World to battle the Cowboys. Mark. Boy, two teams that are trying to find themselves. The Cowboys, I don't think they're good enough at that, that where they're sitting at five and two. They've been sneaking up on teams, beating the Bengal team that wasn't right, you know, being the giant team that, you know, was playing for Monday night football. But Cowboys have been sneaking up. The Bears just coming up. I think it's a short week for the Bears because playing that Monday night in New England, I like the boys. Yeah, I can't blame you here. It's it's all great that you beat Belichick and company and you did your thing, but unfortunately, in a sentence I thought I would never say this season, the Cowboys have a better offense than New England. Oh, God. <laughs> Cue Vince again. Anyways, with that in mind, uh, the Dolphins head to Detroit to take on Man Campbell and the Lions. Mark? Dolphins have changed here over the recent last week. Now they, they tried to give the Steelers the win in more ways than one. They couldn't get in the red zone, kept kicking field goals. Um, and then at the end, you know, if, if, if Kinkett didn't have that rookie tag on him, he might've ran that ball in and beat the, the fish 17 to 16, but they didn't. Now the Dolphins, you know, on a Sunday night, you go up to Motown. I don't know. This is a, a, a depressing Detroit team. I don't know who's showing up. Is this the team that, Gave the Eagles fits in the first week, beat the Washington Skins? Or is this a team that went to New England, got their asses kicked, and then played in Dallas and got beat? I kind of like the fish, but I would be a bit surprised if Motown gets it to two and five. No, and that's a legitimate point. I believe Dan Campbell also wants a Dolphin coach in his career in the past. But the punchline is this, my friend. The reason why that Finns game was close is for one reason. The Steelers, despite injuries, still have a really good defense, and the Lions do not. Arizona versus Minnesota. Uh, the Cardinals traveling to battle the Vikings. What say you, Mark? 
Nobody likes Kirk Cousins except me. I've always liked Kirk Cousins, even in Washington. I like him. He's a quiet leader, just goes about his business. Maybe it's the same people that hate the San Antonio Spurs because they built a quiet dynasty. <laughs> but the Vikings, man, five and one, blowing out the division, keeping everybody happy there. I like the transition with their new head coach and everything. I think the Vikings keep this thing going, man. They're going to be tough to beat, man. They're they're starting to believe in themselves. The only thing is, when you blow out a division, are you ready for the playoffs? Well, and listen, even when they haven't blown out of the division, um, your boy Cousins has shown he is not ready for the playoffs or prime time. Let me check the time of this game real quick, Mark. Uh, yeah, it's 1 o'clock. I got the Vikings. We're fine. With that, <laughs> Las Vegas versus New Orleans. Uh, Trav, yes, the, uh, the Raiders travels. <laughs> the Raiders traveled to Sin City travels to the uh, the Big Easy. That's what I was looking for uh, to take on the Saints. Mark? Well, if I'm the Vegas Raiders, man, I'm flying in Sunday morning, really early in the morning. You don't want these guys partying on Bourbon Street and having fun yeah. with the hookers and the prostitutes and the free beers and everything like that. Just do about your business. Seek, conquer, and destroy. Seek the city, conquer the city, destroy the city, get on the plane, and go back to Vegas. I got the Raiders. You may want to stick with just win, baby. I travel there often because I have in-laws there. You don't need to conquer and destroy. The city's already kind of a mess anyway. But <laughs> I would say this. You don't have to worry about a Las Vegas team partying in New Orleans. They got better ish at home. They'll be disappointed yeah. if they try that. Other than the music, maybe. But I say all of the above to say this. I, too, have the Vegas Raiders winning the day. Say what you will about Derek Carr as one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. When your starter, when your starting choice is Jameis Winston or the Red Rifle? I already know you got big enough problems. I have Derek Carr and company winning that game myself. Uh, the Pats travel to East Rutherford to battle the Jets in a divisional in a divisional game. Mark, what do you got, buddy? Well, the Pats own them, man. You know they seem to own the, the Jets. Uh, the Jets are struggling at home, man. Uh, when you when you look at they're one and two at home, four and zero oh on the road, like we alluded to earlier. This is interesting. You know, this is a crossroads game for the Patriots. They win, they get back into this thing. If the Jets win, they can overtake first place till Buffalo plays Green Bay later that night. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, 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 I don't know how likely that is to happen, but it is mathematically possible, and I am accurate. Uh, or, or that is rather. Let me try that again. That is accurate. Um, with all the above to say this, Mark, um, I appreciate respect for Bill Belichick. I don't know. You don't necessarily have to like him. You don't have to necessarily appreciate his coaching style. You could call him a cheater, whatever. He's good at what he does. Here's the problem, though. We're already hearing drama out of that camp with Mac Jones and him and that and the thing. And is he starting Bailey Zappi? And oh, my God, what's going on there? At the end of the day, what's that? He's got two quarterbacks. He can more or less play wherever he wants to play it. But I will tell you this. This Patriot team, every time we try to bury them and or, or people put, you know, the assumption that they're not going anywhere, Bill Belichick, you know, if you he's like the Baltimore Ravens. If you don't put enough nails in that coffin, he'll find a way to get out. He'll dig under the coffin and come through the dirt on the other side. <laughs> and you know what? That's a side I'd like to see so much, and it's Halloween-themed. Give me that Belichick zombie. If I'm wrong, I have the Jets in this game. And, you know, it's nice to see Russ uh, Salah taking receipts on these guys that have buried the Jets. I thought the Jets were a year out, you know, but, man, they're, they're, they're shoring up that offensive line, the defensive line. 
you know, the more situation, who knows if you don't want to play there, get the hell out. You know, you, you're supposed to complain when your team is losing and you're not getting the ball. You don't complain when you're winning and you're not getting enough touches, shut your mouth, you know, and respect everybody. Is this not a me, myself and I in New York? This is the jets J E T Y S any way you want to spell it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but on that, I shan't front. That's an excellent take. Um, let's move to the Steelers against the Eagles. Cross-state rivalry action there. What do you got, Mark? Well, I'm going to get on a Philadelphia show tomorrow on WWDB, and they're going to probably bury me because they, they beat the Padres, but my other team comes to town, and that's the Steelers. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Kyle. You might think I'm drinking something. Or am I high as a kite? No, the, no to both of those questions. But I think the Steelers can go in there and pull a surprise in Philadelphia. Now, nobody saw the Tampa come. And I said, hey, don't be surprised. You know, Brady's beating the Steelers like a drum in Pittsburgh. They can pull one. I'm not going to be a bit surprised if people think the Steelers are dead at 2-5 and five and go into Philly and pull one out. I will tell you, down in your neck of the woods, they'll be celebrating. That's the 72 Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> You're calling for the champagne pour. I respect that. And listen, I wouldn't have asked if you were drinking something, but I might have hinted that you were smoking. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to call HR. I'm not going to bust you. But what I will say is this. Nick Sirianni looking to be the coach of the year, the candidate that I have on my midway point list so far, if I was to put in my vote today, and I'll, as much as I like Mike Tomlin, that it – if he were coaching a lesser man, I would see where you're coming from. I don't think that happens here. And by, I don't know if Robert Quinn will be in the rotation yet or not, but whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett behind center at that point, somebody's going to get eight by Robert Quinn. I have the Eagles. Um, next up, Tennessee travels to Houston to battle the Texans. Mark? Well, this is a game. If, you, if you're going to take the wife out for dinner, the girlfriend, whatever, Enjoy the day. This is a bad game. This is where you put bags to go in the stadium with paid admission. This is an ugly game. Tennessee's trying to find themselves. You know, I don't know if they've tuned out Vrabel here. Uh, Houston, you know, they seem to have Jacksonville's number, and that's about it. But this is a team that's – they're both in transition. If you're in Houston, just sit back, get ready for the Astros. <laughs> I know they're traveling that day to uh, Philly, but uh, just just – Watch reruns of the Astros in the uh, Phillies game one and two. Forget about this game. This is a bad game. This oh. is, you know, you know, Super Bowl. This is Reapus uh, spelled backwards. <laughs> I'll put it this way <laughs> Reapus. Okay. I got you. It took me a minute. It's backwards. Super Bowl. I'm with it. Okay. So with that, well, with that in mind, I'll say this. Uh, we were talking Belichick earlier, and now you bring up the Astros. I, I feel like that's that's legitimate. With, with that in mind, uh, listen, Derek Henry is a grown man. Um, he will take care of business. And as much as I appreciate Davis Mills at quarterback for Houston, eh, it'll be close because it's a divisional game. But I have the Titans taking care of business at the end of the day. Uh, the Red Tails, sorry, the Commanders, without with Carson Wentz not playing, facing the team that he might have tried for revenge against in the Indianapolis Colts, who are now playing a quarterback other than their starter. Isn't this crazy? Anyways, who you got, Mark? Well, you know, it's funny. Carson Wentz out of this game, out of the game on my birthday, November 14th against the Eagles. I would have loved to see that. I love this guy, Carson Wentz. I know he's injury prone, but, you know, he led the 
you know, top five in, in, in quarterbacks as far as passing and everything. The Redskins are a mess, but they figured out a way to hold off the Packers. And if the Packers probably had another quarter, they might have beat them. But ugly situation. I think you just got to go in here and you just got to take care of business. Uh, the, the, the Skins know what's at stake here, man. You, you can't afford to you fall behind Dallas, the Giants, and the, and the Eagles in this division. You got to restore order, get to the Mendoza line. I think they do it. Washington wins this game. It's going to be tough, but you know, after this, they get Minnesota, I believe, in Washington. So they got to stretch here. But the, the, the Colts are a mess from the word go. And that's a capital M, believe me. Yeah, I'm with you. At the end of the day, I feel like Tainer Heineke will get the start and bring you your birthday gift of a commanding victory over the Colts. Yeah, yeah. I finally got to use the pun. I still don't like it. <laughs> Anyways, the 49ers traveled to L.A. to battle the Rams, Mark. You know, the 49ers have beat these guys seven straight. Ram fans tell me they beat them when it counted most in the NFC Championship game. Who cares? The 49ers are beat down, man. They played in Dallas and all that. They came When the regular season counts, the Rams just can't seem to beat the 49ers. Seven straight, McVay's never beaten them. The, the Rams are a mess. Look at their home wins. You know, they beat uh, Atlanta, held on to beat Atlanta. They beat Carolina. They went on the road and beat uh, a depleted Arizona team. But, boy, have they got hammered at home by the Buffaloes and Dallases. And I think San Francisco is going to borrow that script and hammer them again, run McCaffrey down their throat. Garoppolo knows how to beat these guys. He's, he hasn't lost to them. I like the Niners in this one. And, you know, the 49ers travel well. They'll bring the no-cal water down here big time. Yeah, no, my buddy uh, Rob Stats Guerrera has commented on how well the San Francisco 49ers travel to that new L.A. stadium. So why, so why did you bother? The San Francisco 49ers are just going to show up and overtake to the place. And, and, yeah, at the end of the day, the Rams are weakest on their offensive line. The Niners are strongest on their defensive line, even when Nick Bosa's out. Just throwing that out there. I have the Niners. Call me a homer if you want. The Giants traveled to Seattle to battle the Seahawks. Mark? You know, this could be a trap game for the Giants. Seattle's playing some good football. They clobbered the Chargers. But you know, if the Giants win this game, Kyle, their next two are at home against Houston and Detroit. Oh boy. I mean, they could be going nine and one by the time they head into Thanksgiving in Dallas. And who would have thought that Brian DeBall would come in here and lead the Giants to the promised land? This giant team is believing themselves. They're circling the wagons. They're playing a little on house money here. I got to believe. I like the Seahawks in this game. But I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the Giants pull it out at the end like they did in the last couple games against Jacksonville and Baltimore. I'm with you on that. Listen, if the lack of the discipline we've come to know and love from Pete Carroll teams takes place and they commit too many penalties, they will lose. The They will lose. But, Mark, I don't know if you're a Star, a Star Wars fan, but I can tell you a fact. I have Admiral Akbar right here. It's a trap. <laughs> okay? There you go. I, too, have the Seahawks winning that game. Uh, Green Bay. And, uh, travels to Buffalo to battle the Bills. Who you got, boss? Well, the Bills Mafia is strong. The Bills are crazy. Their fans are nuts. It's Halloween in Buffalo, Halloween Eve, if you want to really push the mark. True. These fans are crazy. They are thirsty. Uh, you know, when you look at Josh Allen, the Packers are a mess. I don't give the Packers any choice to win this game. No chance in hell. 
I think they're depleted in more ways than one. I just want to know who's the first guy out, LaFleur or the drama queen, Aaron Rodgers. Excellent question, actually. I've heard Colin Cowherd pose the question, what has Matt LaFleur, LaFleur done really? And it's starting to get my attention when that question is posed. Listen, at the end of the day, Mark, what we're going to see here is a lot of angry families because dad went out on Sunday in Buffalo and threw himself on the damn table when they beat Aaron Charles Rogers. And now they have nowhere to put the candy. I have the bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know what? Cheese prices could come down in Wisconsin too. Oh, well, or, <laughs> But beer prices will go up in Milwaukee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With that in mind, the Bengals travel to Cleveland to battle the Browns. What say you, Mark? You know, I, I, I had a buddy stop at a Goodwill store not too long ago. And he said, Mancini, I, I, I walked out with a gift. And I said, let me see it. And I see, it was a Cleveland Browns Brian Sight jersey. He got it for like three bucks. Wow. And I said to myself, Somebody must have hated the Browns enough to turn this damn thing in because they didn't want to treasure this. They probably used it to wash the car in the summer, and then it was the winter, and they said, we got to get rid of it. But I don't know. Weird things happen in Halloween, the Battle of Ohio. Who knows, man, when you look at this one. I know Halloween ends. I don't know if it ends in Cleveland, but I'm going with the Bengals because I think the Browns are just a complete mess. You know, it's interesting. Like, they picked fall color themes, I guess, to get this game on Halloween. I know though, that, that that was kind of my thinking. I don't know what's going on there uh, exactly with that. Um, listen, it's hard for me to pick against Joey Burr right now. This dude has been super hot. And listen, when the Bengals were back, they weren't wearing orange at the time. But just like Tennessee, they're an orange team that's back. They're back in college football. The Bengals are back here. I'm not here to tell you they're going to return to the Super Bowl. Let's not get crazy. But they've made themselves the playoff team that we've expected. And, uh, yeah. I got yeah. The and not only that, they got, uh, you know, I want to see where T. Higgins is going to go after this season. I love T. Higgins. And that's, that's going to be an interesting pickup. He's going to get a boatload of money wherever he goes. But with Chase there, with Burrow, they got a good nucleus. I like what they're doing in Cincinnati. I just wish it was in another division and not in Pittsburgh's division. Fair. But listen, you want to keep the AFC North strong. You don't want it looking like the AFC South and being like, no. yeah, we should win it, man. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. No, and when you look at the AFC North, you can go back to when it was the AFC Central and you had Bum Phillips, Dan Pascarini, and Earl Campbell run the show. They could get past Pittsburgh, and the game plan is – we're going to knock on the door. We're going to bang on it. Then we're going to kick the third year and kick the son of a bitch down. Well, the third year happened. You still didn't kick the son of a bitch down. <laughs> the door was made of oak, apparently. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. That'll do it for this week's picks, man. Listen, Mark, that was fun. I'm glad you came in a little later today to do the picks with me. I love it, baby, man. You know I'm here on Wednesdays with you, man. I wouldn't have it no other way, man. You know, you're, so, the, you're the guy that stirs the pot with along with myself. This is the show that's really tearing up, man. It's an acquired taste. Spit it out. They get accustomed to you, man. <laughs> I like the sound of that, man. Let the world know where you can be found, brother. XM203, Sirius 217. They, they've nicknamed me the world's worst handicapper. Whatever I pick, take the opposite. Thanks to Fred Wall and Artie Source. Tomorrow, I got to face a firing squad in Philadelphia. 
WWDBAM860, Marianne Costello, Sal Tartaglia. I got to hear his BS about what the Phillies are going to do to the Astros. I got to eat crow because the, the Padres couldn't figure out a way to drag this thing back to Diego. But that's okay. I'll have to reassure him that the Steel Town is coming in to resurrect his dead eagles, and we're going to throw the bird in the Delaware River. See, listen, I, I respect what you got with the Steelers. If TJ Watt were still on the field, I think you'd have something. I'll give it to that. He was practicing today. Maybe he'll get himself on there, man. You never oh, okay. know. I'm like going to call slip. my shot because when we come back here Wednesday, I told you so that the Steel Town will go into Philly and knock the Liberty Bell on his ass. I will have my terrible towel behind me. <laughs> you. you know, listen, and by the way, you see the Watt brother behind me, okay? There's my yeah. dude right Okay, you know, glad I, I've never said this about another human being on this planet. I'm glad I've never had to try to block him because damn. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. They sure get a defense, man, in Pittsburgh. We're so blessed. And man, oh, man, the drinking town with a football problem. I like that. It is a good drinking town, too, now that you mentioned it. But anyways, <laughs> Mark, thanks to you. Uh, thanks also to my buddy, Colum Cronin for his action earlier here talking about stuff I, I i he needs hugs for his broncos but beyond that we're glad to have him a, uh, of the irish irish nfl show great time all the way around and of course i am kyle nash the student of the game you could find me on twitter at the sotg find me on instagram as the same the sotg check out my work on facebook through the student of the game facebook page of course my writings with the black and gold banneret i'll be covering ucf hosting Cincinnati this weekend. Huge game for the American Athletic Conference. UCF, after looking awful with self-inflicted wounds against the Pirates, sinking their own ship, they have a chance to still be in the driver's seat for the American Athletic Conference. So let's see what they do there. And of course, I will be covering basketball on Sunday. That game you mentioned with Tennessee and Houston, Mark, that you want to take the girlfriend out? Well, me, I'll be hanging out with a lot of ladies at UCF Women's Basketball. They hit their debut. That'll be fun. Uh, De uh, Destiny Thomas came back. That's my girl right there, picking up rebounds, playing like it's '90s basketball, knocking knocking players from Tennessee over last year. It was brilliant. And of course, my work with the three point conversion. We are recording here on a Wednesday, but when you're listening to this, I can guarantee you the matchup mania will be up on the site. So check out my public service to tell you which games are worth your time to watch the most, and a very special Halloween theme for this week. So check. That out, as well as my feature on Travis Entian, where I was about to predict the James Robinson trade, but the piece did not go up in time. It is what it is. Life is short, and it moves fast. Sorry about that. But check out the threepointconversion.com, and, of course, my stylings with the Hilarity by Default YouTube channel uh, with Demosthenes Euclid and the Re Required Viewing podcast, as well as the Captain and Company morning show, A7BN Sports, OldSchool101.com with my friend, Captain Chris Hill. In honor, joy, and privilege to have you all aboard. But until next time, everybody, class. Oop, I got to press. I got to hit the correct button. That's not good to do that. Okay, class dismissed. <laughs>